This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah, the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. There are two major aspects of, of finding your purpose on earth. Two major aspects. There's, uh, um, I like to put them in a Venn diagram because these do get confused by people. Um, one is uh, is Jewish, that you're a Jewish person, and the other is Jewish. Okay? Is that you're a Jewish person. And, and they, these both are really important because you've got this like macro purpose and then you've got this micro. So this is like purpose. You have a macro purpose. And you have a micro purpose. Macro and micro purpose. And you got to be, you got you got to get them both done in your life. They're, they're both really important to get done. And if you try to do one without the other, you're not going to be whole. And if you try to do, um, me, if you try to do just be Mister or Miss Self Expression, and like you know you got a tattoo no one ever had before or, or you made some big splash out of your life but you never had your connection to the Jewish part so then you'll, you will not be whole as a result if you just say Amen at the right time and Baruch Hashem when it's appropriate and Chas Vashalom 20 times a day so meaning you do all the Jewish things right but you never lived your unique purpose so then you're you're also not going to be whole. You're going to have, you know, you have, you'll be, have a check for the Jewish part, but you'll have an X for the individuality part. So you really have to have both. Um, in, the, in today's modern times, the uh, people were, people's self-expression throughout past history was, was not, a, not really great. Um, self-expression was was held back quite a bit. There was a lot of cultural overtones um, that were going on in each place that you were just kind of a guy from France or you could be a guy from Poland or, you know, you were just some some Chinese guy or something. And, and um, what's happened over the centuries is people have been emancipated from those cultural overtones in a major way. And individuality has really become paramount. And you see that mostly in, in the last two generations. Um, I was recently running a program, the Possible Youth Seminary. We were going around the circle, and everyone had to say where they're stuck in life. So, And these were all Hasidic women. So we had, um, you know, an average age, I'd say, was 30 to 35, I guess. But there were, you know, different ages from 18 to 70. Anyway, so everyone goes around and said where they were stuck. When we got to the seven-year-old woman, she was only talking about where her husband was stuck with her. Every single aspect of her life where she was stuck had to do with him. Meaning, not his issues, her issues, vis-a-vis how he was, uh, how he was being affected. Can you, uh, can you grab this seat over here? It's a nice seat right there. That's your wink. Quick, faster, please. Way too slow. Now the um, anyway, the you're good. You're good. Okay. So anyway, the 
It was pretty fascinating because you saw in the generations, meaning meaning 23 women spoke about where they're stuck, and the 24th person who's 70 years old, it was all about it was all about someone else, which can be unhealthy. Meaning the likelihood that her Jewishness and her Jewishness are not that her Jewishness is not very developed, but her Jewishness was very developed, and she wasn't a sick 70 year old grandma, you know. She, her Jewishness is very developed. And she was kind of watching everything from the eye of Jewishness. Like, she was always kind of watching to see if something was going to, like, somehow betray Judaism during these five days together that we spent, you know, hours and hours and hours together in the, in the group. She was kind of, kind of watching that the whole time, while the other ones were, like, kind of excited to see if something would leave Jewishness and head to Jewishness. And they were kind of excited about that. Which he did. But we only spoke about this. In fact, the, the seminar itself is called The Possible You. It is not called The Possible Jew. Whereas here in Aisha Terra is where I teach about Jewishness. So all day in Aish, when I'm in Aish, I'm talking about The Possible Jew. And at nights when I run seminars, I'm talking about The Possible You. But these are all part of the purpose of life. And you have to have them both wired. Now, which one's easier? Jewish is much easier. Depends. Right. Well, the thing is, is Jewish is, is, you know, it's quite delineated. You know, if any of you people in this room... <laughs> if any of the people in this room would like to align with Judaism, well... We've got like a couple thousand rabbis who'd be happy to help. <laughs> if, on the other hand, you'd like to figure out what you're doing here and what your special purpose is, we have very few people who are going to be able to help you <laughs> with that. Very few people who are going to be handling that stuff. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to, in other words, I'm going to finish with this one really quickly. I understand that. We're going to. Do you need a table for two? Hi, how you doing? Welcome. There's a table for you right there. You want? Yeah, right there. Next to this nice lady. She's nice. Say hello to each other. Hello. Hello. To her, to her. That's your new partner. Yeah. So, be nice to your neighbor. Now, the... You realize I see you all as friends. You know why? Because my kids are in school, and we're, you grew up in this class together, and you like know each other like your own smell for years and years and years. I mean, literally, they stay in class from 3 till 18. They don't leave each other. And they're together more than they're at home. So those are called your friends. They're all called your friends. So like, so like when the kid comes home, they may say, my friend was mean to me today. Or I hate my friend. I hate my friend. Like, but they're still your friend. So the class is your friends. Those are your friends. You could be getting along with your friends, you could be not getting along with your friends, but the people you're with are your friends. I like that. You're, so you're all with friends now, so everyone say hi to the person next to you. Okay. Uh, say hi, friend. Howdy, pilgrim. You're with your friends right now. Don't forget that. Now, this is your new friend. Now, Okay, so the Jewish stuff is uh, 
Jewish stuff somehow somewhat Jewish stuff somewhat simple. There's basically 613 laws you got to keep, and there's 365 of those are negative, what not to do. 248 of them are positive, that's what to do. Okay, those are easy to remember because the 365 negatives like the days of the year and very much correlate to them, and the 248 is easy to remember because two plus four is four, two plus two is four, and four plus four is eight, and four is eight. And you got the positive commandments, easy to remember. Together, they break into um, 55,000 laws. 55,000 laws. And depending where you're from, you'll have your cultural overtures, overtones. So, for example, I'm from, uh, I'm from a Hasidic community. Uh, he's from a Syrian community. You're from what kind of community are you from? Regular Ashkenaz. Ashkenaz community. Hey, what community? What community are you from? Ashkenaz. How about you over there? Ashkenaz. So we got a lot of Ashkenaz in here. Okay. So, anyway, there's 55,000 laws, and if you want to align further with all of this, meaning we're talking about alignment here, and we're in a minute going to be talking about how you're going to align with your own personality and that stuff. But if you want to align with all that, so. It's very simple, as we said before. This is the easy one. All you have to do is align with 55,000 laws. Now, a lot of them we don't do today, and a lot of them don't have anything to do with you. But meaning that some of the, a lot of them have to do with the temple and, and purity and impurity, and, and a lot of them we're not necessarily having to worry about so much today. But, but it's definitely worth aligning with them. And, um, and it, it's also... You know, when you build your building, so we could look at it like this, that the Jewish part is here, and the Jewish part's here, and the earth is here, okay? And this is, this is the building you're building, okay? And this is the foundations of the building underneath the earth. So, meaning you'll notice, like, every Jew in this room is showing up a little differently. Like, I don't look like that guy, or I... This guy looks maybe a little more ugly because he's got his pay, his pay in the back here, you know. So most of what we're really doing as Jews is underground. It's under the radar. And and then there's the Jewish. Is well, what are you building out of yourself? And as as we see, and I'm sure you all notice that that people who think set, like not paying any attention to the foundation is fine. For example, the secular world, which is 85% of world Jewry, and I was raised that way too. So people who think you can just build a building without the foundation, you'll notice that they that they're, they become the leaning tower of Pisa, meaning after a while their building kind of looks like that later. And now that doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to a lot of people. A lot of people have their tower start moving, you know, south. And and that's why you'll notice uh, that'll be like divorce or uh, or um, midlife crisis and and um, depression from meaninglessness um, the uh, the yo-yo of finance you know because Western Civ like the more money you have the more you know it's very socially Darwinian like the more money you have the more fit you are to survive the more powerful the more you know your big stuff, so like, so but the th- but money's on a yo-yo. It's got its ups and downs. So, 
So you, you find the tower is just kind of like <laughs> sometimes you know money. You're like sometimes your tower feels straight. Sometimes it feels like it's tipping over. So so having this foundation of the Jewish, you know, it's funny. This one kind of became a Y, and uh, this one's got a Y going on, and this one's got a, a J. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so. And so they're they're pretty important. It's it's pretty important this foundation. And and just one last thing before we go to the Jewish is that um, unless your question has to do with the Jewish, is uh, one more thing about it is that um, is that when I say Jewish, I don't mean culturally Jewish. None of this. Do you, do you see anything cultural in this little list of things? Is there anything cultural there? There's nothing. Remember, I spoke about cultural overtones. So there are groups of people, 85% of Jewry has taken all of this, thrown it in the wastebasket, and they thought singing Havana Gila or Osei Shalom or, you know, Kumbaya or, you know, or, you know they thought that was going to be the, that was going to do it. <laughs> um, but people should realize that it does not do it. Because you'll notice all the things that I spoke about, the cause-leaning towers, happen to all the people who only have cultural overtone Judaism. I mean, if their Judaism's been, it's turned out to just be bagels, lox, cream cheese, have a gila, or have a tequila. The, uh, anyone whose Judaism is that is not going to be having the foundations at all. You know, they're just going to have a lot of platitudes of, you know, saying. Yiddish words once in a while. Like when something goes wrong, they'll say oy vey, but they'll feel very Jewish in that moment. But it does not at all do the job. And those of us who wear kippahs full time, you know you get bailed wherever you go by these people because they so want to feel Jewish. And seeing a guy in a kippah is a perfect chance to walk, like literally cross the street through traffic, almost die, to walk up to someone who looks like me and say like, Shalom. <laughs> which we call bageling. Bageling is when you really want to feel Jewish and you see someone who's overtly Jewish and you, you want to bagel them in some way. Um, to, we call it bageling because bagel lots and cream cheese kind of is that icon of cultural Judaism. And so they, they want to feel that right now and there's no bagel store within 50 miles, but they found you. And so they're going to come and say shalom or something. Uh, your question? Shouldn't Jewish be your foundation and Jewish be built on top of that? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Because uh, because this is static and this is dynamic. And so you want static in the ground and dynamic out of the ground. Okay, you, it's, things that are dynamic are, are um, fragile, they're unstable. Things dynamic, I mean, what does the word dynamism mean? I mean, think about it. Every one of you have a, has a dynamic personality. You have a dynamism to you. And what does dynamic mean? It means moving. It's got movement. And and movement's not stable. Okay? Earth is stable. That's stable. That's static. Like the floor of this classroom is static. The people walking in and out, these dynamic beings that keep walking in and out of here, that's not stable. We never know who's coming here. We never know what's going on here. And it's like anything else that's dynamic. And music pays good attention to this because you've got a rhythm section which is state static, and then you've got the dynamism of the soloist, who's maybe playing a solo against it, or it's someone singing against it, 
and you know they're they're generally you know you know check out a bass player how stable his personality is versus a lead guitar player of a rock band you know the lead guitar player rock band's lifespan maximally would be 40 years old whereas the bass player will probably live to whatever the life expectancy is depending on his relationship to heroin now yeah you definitely want the Jewish part to not be not be it's not, just not worth hanging any you know it's, it's, it's not a good coat hook you know it just your coat's going to wind up on the floor half the time it's not stable you're saying that basically we should just have the Jewish and then find yourself within it well that, you're not any you're not in any of that none of this is you why do you think we wear that you've seen the talus with the black stri- the black stripes mm-hmm. on it you know what that or talus you know it's got the black stripes Ashkenazim with black stripes you know what you know what those black stripes are they're barcode <laughs> so God knows who's praying there's nothing Jewish in the Jewish I mean you can I'm sure the way you say a Shemone Esrei or I say a Shemone or you say a Brocha or I say a Brocha I'm sure we've got our unique way of saying it but chances are that we're both including the... We're both saying, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOelam. We're probably saying the same words. You know what I mean? It's not... There's nothing unique to you saying a bracha or me saying a bracha. We're, we're going to be... You'll have your experience and I'll have my experience of it, but uh, to, on video, it's the same. So so there's no, re, there's no real Jewish here. Can you really have your Jewish if you don't have your Jewish? Yes. You do, but you're busted when you get upstairs. You see, every Jew is born. Every Jew is born with a hook in their mouth. Okay, you all look lovely, by the way, with your hook in your mouth right now. But you were born with a hook in your mouth, and God's the fisherman. And if you notice, with fishermen, they have they have. Is that are we allowed to say fishermen in 2019? <laughs> Fisher people. <laughs> You'll notice with fisher people. <laughs> You'll notice with Fisher people that they that they're pretty chill. They're pretty chill. So, like, if you were with a Fisher person and you caught a fish, you wouldn't be that chill. Because, like, you know, you got a twenty-pound bass on the line. You feel like the bull's getting yanked out of your hand, so you're going to immediately yank back. And you're going to yank back, which is a good thing to do at the beginning, because it will lodge the hook deeper in the lip. But then, knowing you, you just be like, well, let's reel it. And then it snaps the line. The fish gets away with the hook as well, and, uh, and all is lost. But a fisherman's chill. When the fisherman catches the fish, he feels the fight, and then there's a little cog on the reel that lets out line. Because this fish is fighting. It doesn't want to go with the catch. It wants to get away. And so it fights and tries to get away. And so so the reel, you got tons of line there. You just let it go. Just let it go. Give some tension. It, it, the reel has a gear. It keeps the tension. You can adjust it. And just let it go. Let it do its fight. And, and eventually it'll get tired and and you feel it's not fighting. And you just reel it in. And you're good. So all of us are born with a hook in our mouth. And there are people who try to swim away from the boat. And God's like the fisher person. God is chill. And he just, oh, you want line? And haven't you guys wondered sometimes why God lets people do such stupid stuff? I mean, God is, contr- 
he, he's clearly in control of things because you see he's orchestrating your whole life. So he's totally in control of things, yet he lets you do really stupid stuff whenever you feel like it. And he'll even orchestrate it for you because how, how are you going to do your stupid thing if God doesn't say, you know, okay, that's dumb, but I guess I'm in. And then just totally orchestrates the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life, orchestrates it for you and makes sure everything works for you, that you get to, like, destroy yourself spiritually or emotionally or any other dumb thing we do financially. Like, he'll just allow you to do that to yourself. Because God's just letting the line out, because why is God so relaxed? Why is God chill? What? Where's the hook? It's in your mouth. <laughs> and, and if you think, well, geez, you know, if someone could do that for 70 years, someone could fight. Tell me, what's time when it comes to an infinite being? Nothing. You think any time elapsed since this class began? You think any time elapsed since you were born? There's no time. There's no such thing as time. That's why you can't even think of now. Because the second you'd think of now, it'd already be in the past. There's no such thing as time. Time is a psychological event. It's your non-event. Time's a psychological non-event that that just is your ability to recollect things that happen so that you can project accurately into the future. But other than that, there's only now. And there's only been now, and there's never been anything but now. And God only created now, and that's all that there ever was. There's only been now since the beginning of time. Well, there's no beginning of time because there's only now. But there's always been now. And the... And so... There will be zero time elapsed from the day you were born to the day you die while you're in this projection here. And one of the ways you know it's a projection is you'll notice that you've only ever had a now. You've never had anything but now. Think about it. Has there ever been a single moment in your life that you've ever had other than now? When you were there, you were only now. In the past, you were in the now, right then. Now, of course, some of us blow it, and we're always projecting ourselves away from now, which is, which is a horrible thing to do, because it leads to a lot of anxiety, and, and as we spoke about yesterday, much over-project, way over-protection from the greatness you would achieve if you weren't so, you know, always so, you know what the right word is, padded, vigilant, uh, protected. So... But the now is all that's ever been, and, and the more you're, the more you stay mindful of that, the more you will be happy and be connected and, and have a relationship with God, ultimately, because any other relationship with God is, is not, is, any other relationship with God will be a conceptual relationship with God, whereas the moment that's now, that is the flow from infinite to finite, is the relationship. That is the relationship. And obviously when someone comes into essentials as a spiritual seeker and they want to find God, so we would tell them that, well, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Because, you know, if you want to go find God, you know, you're going to spend a long time trying to do that. And you're going to come up empty-handed trying to find God. You know, it's, it's just not a, not a good idea. You know, it's like if your kids are doing a treasure hunt, but all the treasures are in the house and they'll go flying out the door to look for it. 
you know, but meanwhile, it was the middle of winter. You were not planning an outdoor treasure hunt. It's a snowstorm or blizzard or <laughs> torrential rains out there. You tell your kids, okay, treasure hunt, and they all go flying out the door <laughs> for the first hint. <laughs> treasure hunt's inside. Treasure hunt's right here, right now, inside, and the treasure's happening right now. So finding God is a, is a is a sorry task given to the children of mankind. And having a relationship with God, which is just this moment, and it's great. And this is why I, I created years ago, I mean, it's not my creation, but I stated it in principle, if you're taking notes, and that principle is that the spiritual person sensitizes his or herself to God in the moment. The spiritual person sensitizes his or herself to God in the moment. And what's really cool, this is you know a side point, but what's really cool is that when you add the Jewish calendar to this, so then what's happening is it's not just now, it's now Pesach, or it's now Purim, or it's now Shabbos, or it's now Rosh Hashanah, or it's now Tubishvat. <coughs> And you can, like, get yourself all hooked up because you'll notice there's all these positives and negatives surrounding that holiday. Which means you're, like, avoiding certain things and then going into certain things. And so between that which you avoid and that which you're doing for that holiday, like, you're avoiding chametz, but you're grabbing at the matzahs or you're grabbing at these four cups of wine. And you're, you're, so, yeah, now is now and that's where God is. But what about doing that in the process of, of mitzvahs that are time-bound. Which is really interesting because there's no time. But the relationship of the Zodiac, which, you know, like literally, perfectly, precisely moves vis-a-vis the Earth, has its own energy that's coming down as those nows, as all those nows are happening, there's energy that flows. And our holidays are... Come on in, guys. What are you doing? You don't want to come in, or you had to grab this lady? Yeah, we have to grab her. We're just getting started. I'll come back. Bleed netter. You know the word bleed netter? No. Oh, bleed netter means uh, it's that you're not busted upstairs if you didn't come back. Try it. Bleed netter. Good. It means without an oath. Okay. Yeah, I don't want you to get popped for saying that, but I bless you to come back. Sure. Wow, it's such a pleasure to have people who don't know what Glee Netter means in this class. We've had this, like, uh, you know, we, as an outreach organization, all the outreach organizations today have to, have to still pretend we're doing outreach. We just have to. We have no choice. <laughs> it's like, it's either that or close. You know, and there are a lot of people on salary and stuff. So we get very excited when we actually have someone who wasn't raised observant in the classroom, which today, out of every 40 students, there are probably two or three. And those, and those of you who are raised, anyone here raised non-observant, you should know that, that um, this whole place was created for you. And all the, all the, the people who were raised observant um, today is a chance for you to get the Torah that no one ever taught you. 
because they generally they generally avoid the the Torah we teachers generally avoid it for people raised observant um, because it it just it's a whole other set of information that's that's kept away from people because it's a uh, Isha Torah is known for asking questions that are um, and answering questions, but it's it's a conversation that's that is um, intellectually honest. And and when when you if you don't know how to have that kind of conversation, so you can actually exclude it from your from the schools. You know what I mean? Like we'll just say. As my Yiddish-speaking daughters say, because they've learned over the years, don't ask too many questions in their Hasidic schools. But they they say uh, they say a uh, shaylis today. A maven yoven. Yes, shaylis today. Somewhere Christianity. No questions. Okay, now the um, uh, where where are we at? Oh, let's get back to where we were. So now we're finding our special purpose. Now our special purpose is we've done the Jewish part, and that is to align as Jews. And then there's the Jewish part: is is what are you here to do? Now, um, if you don't know your special purpose at your age right now, if you don't know what you're doing here, so I hate to say it, but you're in trouble. <laughs> you're you're going to be a little stuck. You know why? Because you know. In order to build something, there's a principle. You got to clear the way for building something. You know, if you want to cook something or bake something, and you you got a bunch of other stuff on the counters because you, you never cleaned up the last project, <coughs> you're not really going to be baking anything for about an hour because there's work to be done until you can clear a space for that. If you want to build a building, you're going to have to spend some time digging. And right now, you're in a building that we watched for, what was that, about two years? Because they couldn't bring heavy machinery in. They couldn't, re- you know, they couldn't just bring in those major knockers that knock down, uh, that knock into the ground. Because the old city's just too fragile. So they had to do it. I mean, it was crazy watching them do this for two years. You know, they were drilling just with regular drills. Big drills, but drills. And then they'd fill it with molten metal that would expand overnight and break up more earth. And then, I mean, watching this was like Chinese water torture. It, was, it, it took so long to create this building. Even now, you'd probably be our... Now, now you're about ground level. Anything under here, I think that was already under ground. And whatever. The, to find your special purpose, chances are you're going to have to... Um, you're going to have to remove the, di- the dirty dishes. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is what's really important to it is your natural personality. Your natural personality. Now, does anyone in here know what their natural personality is? Meaning not the one that you socialize with and that you're trying to let the world know about, but the actual real one, the one that was given to you by God. Do you, do you know what that is? It's not so simple. I was able to figure that out. Uh, most people actually, at ages four to twelve, learn to hate the natural personality because it's um, it's not that they don't like the natural personality. It's just that it's so vulnerable. You know, one of the reasons I'm a happy person is that I'm allowing myself full vulnerability all the time. I don't know if you guys notice that, but I let myself be very vulnerable. 
because I've embraced that natural part of me that's from childhood. And I mean, you're talking to someone who, you know, I was this macho surfer punk, you know, surfed for six to eight hours a day for 12 years straight all around the planet. And I hadn't cried, I don't think, in 20 years. Like, I was the, the, the polar opposite of vulnerability that the natural personality child has. So it took me a while to kind of find myself. I had to, I had to break through a lot of layers to get to that natural self. But uh, unfortunately, that's part of the work. You know, and, and as I was saying before, this is the hard work. This may take a lot of surrendering to your tribal traditions. Um, which is work. That's work. Surrendering yourself. Because think about it. The only thing between you and this is your ego. Here, it's kind of also true. The only thing between you and your natural personality is also your ego. Because think of what what is your personality today if not a fortress? Is, is it not a fortress around your heart? Meaning the, the vulnerable heart? Isn't your personality today just a fortress? <laughs> it's amazing we're even able to get married because like what is getting married getting married is like taking the fortress down and letting someone in there and then maybe put the fortress back up around both your hearts but the but we're our personality today is way fortified and and we are we are um Highly um, insulated from from vulnerability, and and that's unfortunately become really who we let the world know we are, which is not our natural personality. So step one is um, <laughs> by the way, step one's not Jewish. Step one is is no one. Otherwise known as the soul, and step two is the natural personality. So we got. We'll put it in steps. Step one is no one. Is natural personality. What no one means is that's the strip down. That's the that's the almanas That's the. I mean, you got to take all that personality and scrape it, scrape it, and scrape it. Until you're down to no one. Once you're down to no one, which is a courageous place to be, being no one. And it just happens that when you finally get to no one, when you can actually allow yourself to be stripped down in no one, what happens when you get to no one is you realize no one's really someone. Who is that someone? You talking about ego here? Yeah. yeah. And who is that someone? That someone is the soul. But what's funny about it is nothing unique about it. Like, what's the difference between yours and mine? Nothing. And so, and the, one of the beauties of being no one is it takes you off the scale of comparison. Meaning, okay, well, I do. meaning, if I'm someone, so then I'm someone compared to you. Smarter, dumber, you know, I'm either smarter or dumber than you. More capable, more handsome, less handsome. Uh, you know, stronger, weaker. You know, understand, it's, it's, oh, you're in a world of comparison. When you're in the someone part of yourself, you've entered the world of comparison, and once you're in the world of comparison, connection is going to be... 
difficult or impossible? Yeah, if you're in the someone version and you're in, therefore you're automatically uh, put in a position of no real connection of of competition of some way. I mean, in every way, really, every single aspect about yourself is either going to be up on a scale of higher or lower than the person you're with, and and that will automatically make connection impossible because because it's just like let's say you're let's say I'm dumber than you. Yeah, and you're smarter than me. So, so you're going to have to put up with me, and I'm going to have to put up with you. <laughs> you have to put up with hanging out with a dumber guy. And i got to put up with kind of feeling dumb when I'm around you. But it's worth it to be connected to each other. So you're, you're automatically, in all relationships, you're in some level of compromise. And so, whereas when we're... And, you, and it might be a beautiful thing. Like, hey, our connection's worth the compromise. But the uh, but when you're coming from the soul place, wow! I mean, you become a sea of love, and I, I own that website in case you're going to go online. Uh, I own I'm a sea of love dot com, and uh, that's where I actually store all these videos on Facebook. If you go into Facebook and go to that particular, uh, go to I'm a sea of love dot com, you'll find all these videos. And um, uh, but but. When you're coming from that place, the no-one place and the soul place, well, you're a sea of love. Um, another thing that's amazing, what's your name over there? Nelson. Nelson. Another thing that's amazing there is once you're now in that connective no-one place, something very beautiful happens, and that, that is that your, your level of concern for the other goes up a lot. Because think about it. If you're in the someone place... Your number one thing is your own personal survival in every interaction. You understand? You gotta. You're gonna have to. This is gonna. You want this to be going as smoothly as possible when you're interacting with somebody. That's your number one goal. Your number one goal is not the other person. Your number one goal is you should get through this somewhat intact by the time you're done interacting with the world or a person or your family or Thanksgiving or. Pace off night or whatever. You got to somehow survive that. Um, whereas once you're in the known place, so you've left that survival mode, and you are actually genuinely interested in other people. How do you get there? To the known mode. Yeah. Um, there's two major steps. One is um, one is to figure out what you've been saying about yourself in the negative. You know, what's your inner negative speech? Like what? Is, what is your bad self-talk? And then step two is what have you, what have you, how have you fortified your personality to make sure nothing triggers it? I Meaning, what personality moves, little chess moves you made to protect the king? So, you, you guys want me to write these two steps? Yeah. So the process of becoming no one is uh, step one is negative self-talk. You got to get in touch with the words, and you need the actual specific words. Not enough. Can't be vague. Like, like words like dumb, worthless, ugly, you know, uh, <laughs> incapable, all the horrible stuff. The more horrible it is, the more likely it's accurate. That's just the way people are. We go to the horrible statements. We don't go to the. We don't go to the like, not such a genius. We don't say that inside. We say stupid. If someone talked to us the way we talked to ourselves, we would hit them in the face. <laughs> well said, Nelson. So the negative self-talk, and and the second thing is to uh, is the the uh, 
the fortress, or we'll, we'll say that the chess moves, the personality chess moves you've made. Okay, the fortresses. Do you have an example of that? Personality chess moves. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I'll give a quick example, but I don't want to go too deep into there because you asked about the purpose of life. So the negative self-talk would be like uh, uh, weak and worthless. Okay, uh, a personality uh, a personality chess move would be uh, independent. I don't need nobody. But you have to get rid of those things, completely rid of them. Well, so you see yeah. bad things to yourself. Yeah, I mean, you want to keep like you want to like your wife says, you know, can you throw out that bag of dirty diapers? Like, can I keep one? <laughs> no, I don't want any negative self talk. No, like How do you get I, I have zero tolerance for it. And by the way, I still have negative self talk. But how long? How long do you think when I hear a negative thought about myself in my head? How long do you? How? What do you think my level of tolerance is for it? How's zero tolerance? Yeah. Like zero. I got the talk. I heard the talk, and I know where that's going. That's going to some kind of move. I'm going to do some move to like not feel that way about myself. And and then I know my moves, which is really good to know your moves. you got to know your moves, because if you know your moves, they're like street signs about the road you're going down. Number one is the road you're going down. You're going down that negative self-talk road. And if you know your moves, well, you see the signs. So anyway, I know where that is going. And I'm not going there. Like, I know the second I'm going to be cool... Or the second I'm going to be funny, or the second I'm going to be charming, the second I'm going to start pulling those things off, or the second I'm going to be like the know-it-all, you know, or the second I'm going to like sabotage my sleep late at night instead of go to bed like a normal human being and wake up properly in the morning, the second I'm going there, I see the sign. I know that part of me. I know that little fortress of mine. Where's going to bed really? I'm dealing with So the self-talk would be I'm a failure or I'm a... I'm a, I'm, you want to hear a few? Um, negative self talk can be, because think about it, if you go to sleep late, you're off the hook in the morning. Either you're asleep, no one's expecting him to succeed, or you're, you woke up with little sleep, now you're a zombie, and no one expects him to succeed. And so you're off the hook. But the negative self talk would be words like incapable, uh, ill equipped, uh, irresponsible, um, uh, uh, not as good as fill in the blank, whoever's in your family that was good at everything. Um, not good enough. Not good enough. The, whatever, it goes on and on and on. Idiot. You know, incompetent. A bunch of stupid things. Fortress. bunch of dirty diapers in that bag. And, uh, and then, of, of course, now there's other people, they're going to go to bed at nine. And they're going to be up at five. And they're going to workaholic their way through life. You understand? They're going to overachieve their way through life because that's their chess move. And that's called fight. I'm When it comes to failure, I'm a flight. I just I just stay up real late watching YouTube intellectual dark web stuff, you know. And uh, you know, Jordan Peterson versus Sam Harris, you know, for the next two hours, you know. So, so I, go, I go like, I go like full sabotage so that I'm a zombie the next day or I'm, or I'm asleep. More likely the second one, and the uh, and the uh, anyway, those are my moves. But when it comes to the fear of rejection, being unloved, unlikable, and all those things, I'm a fighter. Like I'm gonna be, 
charming, I'm going to be cool, I'm going to be, you know, the guy. So it depends on your fear is how you relate to your fear. Okay? When you take down, when you say fortress, when you say when you take down the fortress, that's what you consider vulnerability? Well, yeah, that's when you come to no one, you're now vulnerable, but vulnerable means penetrable. And penetrable means there's a chance now for relationship, and there's also a chance now for compassion. Constructive criticism also. What? Criticism also. Criticism would be great. And you get compassion, and you're, 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 you're evolving. Now you're actually a human becoming rather than a human being who's stuck. You're actually a human becoming because you're, you're malleable because you're not... Yeah, of course, it always hurts to get criticism from anybody, but 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 you're much more likely to accept it at least an hour later <laughs> after you like you know blew on it for a while, you know just get stingless. The um, but your, your chances are you'll move to that criticism if you're coming from that no one place. That's a good thing. It's very good. very everything's good about no one, and nothing's good about someone. Okay, nothing's good about someone. Someone is a disaster. It is a, it's a nuclear blast that just takes everyone's hair out. When you shouldn't be yeah. someone. What? You shouldn't like, be somebody. I mean, we've been on this for ten minutes. That's your question. <laughs> Being someone. No, you should be no one. Be no one. And you want to, if you do want to be someone, so there's a mantra if you want to hear it. When you're in the no one stage, you ready for this for personal purpose? There's a mantra. Ready for this? You'll do it with me, but I'll teach it to you first. Whoever God calls me into being, I am. Whoever God calls me into being, I am. See, I'm no one. But right now, some lady cannot reach the overhead compartment to close it. And I'm sitting close by, or I'm the only one paying attention at least. Well, that's me. I'm, you know who I am? I'm an overhead compartment closer. That's why. And then, and then I land and I get home and all my kids haven't seen me in two weeks. By the way, I'm leaving Thursday for two weeks. Kids haven't seen me in two weeks. I am father. I am this loving father. And, and because that's who God's calling me into being. Of course, my wife's looking at me the whole time like, you know, when do we get to also say hello? You know, and then I'm... I'm Husbands, and and then you know that's husband time. My kids are already used to that. They know they're all going to get hugs. I'm going to flip my bags into the room and let my wife put all the gifts inside that she bought in Israel, and and because I never have time to shop, and and then you know we put all the bed, all the presents into my suitcase, and but the, but I, there I'm loving husband, and right now I'm teacher, and right now I'm out of here because. <laughs> The band is here. Tell them, everybody. Any questions outside? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.